Hey everyone, welcome back to the Chai and Cafe podcast, where we'll be talking about hot topics, current events, politics, society, culture, we chat about it all. My name's Rose. I'm Tara. My name's Gabe. So, we're coming to the conversation with a bit of an alternative opinion, so I have to start with this disclaimer. While we love, 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 our friends and families, kids, we really, really do. There is a lot of pressure on singles, those dating, newlyweds, even those who have been married for a minute to have kids. Usually these uncomfortable conversations happen when people either aren't ready or they're just not considering So that brings me to just ask us, ourselves, our listeners, is asking millennials and Gen Z or just anyone in general about having children the new taboo? I'll go ahead and start. I unfortunately don't think it is taboo to ask millennials and Gen Z about the kid question, but I think it should be. Um, you know, the baby question, when are you having kids? I just think that the audacity sometimes, I don't know. (laughs) Like, um, so I, I just thought we'd kick it off and just talk about the current landscape, um, you know, and get your thoughts, Tara. Like, what do you think about this whole thing? Yeah, I would say I agree, Rose. I think, um, it's, not considered taboo, but it should be, or I think it's slowly starting to move in the direction of being taboo, but I think it's taken a lot of time, but people will find it so easy to walk up to a couple, right, who've maybe been together for a while or who are married and just ask um, if they're thinking about having kids and when and what that looks like for them. And if they're saying no, then it's a question of why isn't that top of mind for you? And for a lot of single folks, it can be like, oh, especially um, for a lot of women, it's, um, oh, like, are you a certain age? Are you thinking about having kids? What about your biological clock? There's always that question. And I've noticed people are often more worried about my biological clock than I am, which is like, please mind your own business. Worry about your own (laughs) biological clock, I guess. Like, keep mine out of this. Um, But I think there's also the question of um, when couples are approached about if they're wanting kids or, you know, thinking about kids, a lot of women or couples, you know, they miscarry. And that's a huge issue, too. Like, people wouldn't know just by looking in. So you, you never really know. It's really none of anyone's business, I think, except for those involved. So I think it really should be considered taboo. It's a very sensitive subject. So it can definitely yeah, be tricky. That. I definitely feel that. Um, you know, I, I never thought it was taboo because it was just so normal for people in my family or my friends groups to just pop out babies. Like that's just what people do sometimes. <laughs> um, but it's like popcorn. I guess for, <laughs> it's it's kind of like you know it was just the norm. So like having it be asked was really just a matter of like oh well if I get to that point if and when I get to that point when I'm married then it's just assumed I probably will. And I, I think I might have mentioned in some of the past episodes if I didn't uh, I always thought I was gonna have literally a grip of kids myself. And when I realized how much 
things can actually run up once you have kids. And I also noticed the amount of workload that I have to manage as an individual. The idea of just someone assuming you should have kids uh, and then bringing it up in conversations, sometimes in front of your significant other or the person you're dating or maybe someone you might have just met and wanted to bring to the cookout, it's kind of awkward. So nowadays, yes, I am anti <laughs> asking the question. Question, what's a grip? A grip? Like a, a lot? Like if that's a, yeah, the grip. Like, like thinking about what your hand, what you could grab like with your whole five? For me, I, I literally meant five because there's oh, five things. No. Like, <laughs> but like, <laughs> but a grip slang terms means a lot, a whole bunch. Did, did I just hear five children? No, nah, I, I said in the past. So, wow. um, you know, it's it's one of those things though. Like, like when you're from the Midwest, there's no water shortage. <laughs> oh. Houses don't cost like half a mil to like a mil, maybe I've more never heard that, that often. So yeah, it's it's just one of those things where it just seemed common. Like, one side of my family had six kids one other side my grandparents had 11 would have had 13 so like I, big families were just a thing so it seemed normal so for me the topic of are you gonna have kids or when do you think you might have it it was happening often but as a dude it didn't really start happening more until I started getting older and it went from being told to not even think about like a girl or uh, someone I might be interested in in a, in a sexual way, you know, getting yelled at for uh, listening to, to naughty music or watching nasty movies. Like my Grammy's always be like, stay away from the nasty girls, whatever. To all of a sudden, as you get older, family members legitimately being like, so when do you think about having kids? Like, or that kind of a thing. And it's like, that's kind of awkward. <laughs> uh, so how do you go from not even being wanted to talk about sex or what leads to a baby to begin with? Because it's not a stork to all of a sudden having it brought up so much. <laughs> and I think that maybe it's because I'm distant. Yeah, just, just dropping babies off in a, in a swaddled clothes. But, you know, just one of those things. I swore, like, as a kid, I bought into that stork story. So I would look for them in the sky. I'm like, oh, like, Stop where it. are they? You know, carrying a pink or blue blanket and never see one, obviously. And I'm like, there's none here. None. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, okay. Question. Don't we find it a little weird or maybe a lot weird that people will ask people if they're trying? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of creepy if you think about it. Like, Hey, grandbaby, are you trying with your lady? It's like, Oh, granny. <laughs> like, oh, Hey grandpa. Like, why are you thinking about that homie? <laughs> That's kind of nasty. Is it not? <laughs> it brings up all sorts of imagery that I'm just not trying to have. Uh, oh, man. It's just so backwards. Yeah. That's invasive for sure. Right? For everyone, though, right? To the people being asked and also to the people who have to hear the question. Like, then your thoughts wander, your mind wanders, and you're like, I wasn't trying to go down this road today or any day. Right? Oh, man. Like, I could have lived my whole life without having certain imagery, but, you know, um, mm -hmm. apparently not enough people find it weird because I think that it's a pretty common question. Um, let's not normalize that question anymore, yeah? <laughs> Agreed. That's kind of interesting because, you know, like I just mentioned a little bit before, it goes from wanting kids to not ever be endangered with the idea of sex or being promiscuous, quote unquote, right? Or having the education around that to then it being brought up so often to where it's kind of bothersome in some cases or not. And it's almost like, you know, 
how do we go from zero to 100 so fast? Like there has to be the middle ground, right? The whole idea of maybe talking to me about certain things. Like uh, where do you learn game from? How, how do you how do you not come off as creepy or how do you attract another individual uh, or do they find you attractive or how does that even begin? It just goes from don't think about sex, don't be that way to then bam. So y'all having kids yet? It's like there, is, there has to be some kind of middle ground. Like where, where does that fall on? Is that, does that falling on schools <laughs> then? Like are we just depending upon health class? Yeah, for real. Like, I mean, I, I've mentioned it in previous episodes. Like I grew up in a semi, semi-religious household um, in the sense that, um, you know, two conservative religions, I was hearing it from two ends, like your body is a temple and we don't even talk about that. And like, you're not supposed to, to then being married and then actually getting that question as if I didn't hear it for like two decades that it was, (laughs) (laughs) that it wasn't supposed to happen. Um, so that kind of leads me to the question of, where did we learn about sex? Like oh, where, where, is, <laughs> where did we actually get our education from? Um, <laughs> I'll kick it off to Tara. Cause I'm very interested. <laughs> Hot yeah, seat. Where did it all begin? Let's see. So yeah, growing up, I, you know, it wasn't discussed really much at all in my household. And I was also, now that I'm thinking about it, not allowed to watch certain shows. Like, I think now looking back, it's kind of weird, but my mom wouldn't let me watch Boy Meets World. So to this day, I've not watched that show, but I figured it must be like something, something about dating, whatever. And I was just like, okay, I accepted it, moved on. But in sixth grade, we had sex ed one day. And keep in mind, like I knew nothing at this point. So they separated the boys and the girls. And so this uh, Mm. woman came, like an instructor came from outside some other organization to talk to us. And so she started explaining everything. And I swear, like, it was me and a bunch of my Indian friends sitting there just, like, jaw dropped wide open. We're just like, this can't be true. And she (laughs) said a line. She was like, yeah, like, explaining everything. Even your parents did this. And that was too much for me. I was just like, you heathen, you witch. Like, this never happened in our household. (laughs) So then... When I went home that day, um, my mom knew what was going on because she had to sign a permission slip about this whole sex ed class. And so she was like, are you okay?" And I was just in shock for about five years. No, I'm just kidding. Like a week. But (laughs) that happened. And then more toward like in college, it would be really random. Like when I would come home for a break, like Thanksgiving or Christmas, I would often find that when my dad was like dropping me to the airport to go back, he would somehow find time in the car to just like give me a super quick, like not a sex ed (laughs) talk, but more like a be careful talk. Like Tara, like, you know, if he's like, sometimes like you meet someone and I'm just thinking like, I I don't meet anyone. Like I stay in my room. I go to bed at eight. Like there's no meeting. And he's like, you know, in the heat of the moment, use protection. I'm like, there's no heat. heat. Like, I go to Berkeley, it's very cold. Like, we don't do that. And so he would, like, go on. And then he's like, just be careful. Just use protection, you know, like, all this stuff. And literally, like, 10 minutes before I'm about to get to the airport, and I'm just looking out the window, like, waiting for this airport to come by. And just so awkward. And after these talks, I'd be like, you know, maybe it's just best to never have sex. so I can like avoid these conversations altogether. 
but it was just always so awkward. Um, so yeah, that was how I learned. Um, he tried though. <laughs> he tried, which is, I think a big thing for, um, someone who's especially like an Indian and also an Indian dad, like that's very unheard of, but he was like very open about it. Just like dove right in, which I guess is now looking back, I appreciate it. But at the time I wanted to melt into my seat. Um, nice. but yeah, what about, what about you guys? Oh gosh. Um, a little shameless here to talk about this, but so when my dad first gave the talk, if, if we're going to call it that, because my mom was like, they're, they're your boys. You need to go talk to them about that. Mm, I'm, I'm a woman. I, I can't talk to them about that. You, you're the man. You know what that's like. So he, he kind of, I remember he kind of sat me down and was just like, look, <laughs> if you're going to play dipstick, you need to be careful. And I was like, dipstick? And then he's like, yeah, you know. And then like, I think he, I kind of remember him making like an oil change, kind of like a move or you like, Anyways, so oh, yeah, he was just like, you, you know, you got to be careful. And if you're not careful, that's how you have kids. And I, I know, I know, you know what, what, what it's like. I, I know that you, you know, you might be interested in, in certain things. So like, it's not the thing to do right now. You need to just save that for when you're married. Uh, because, you know, when you have kids, that's the right time to do it. And just kind of went with the whole, like, I don't want to say holy roller kind of approach, but like, yo, like, you know, you know, we're Catholic and, and marriage is the right time for that. And it's, it's not safe, but you know, bad things can also happen too. And he works in a field where he actually assists folks uh, with getting medications and, and help uh, surrounding HIV, AIDS, et cetera. So he has definitely seen some things uh, with, with how he works. So that was always, I think like a major fear on his mind too, um, especially just the era that we grew up in, me being an eighties baby. So he was always, well, you know, worried about that. So that was just his approach with it. It wasn't like, you know, any kind of real insight or there was no actual sex talk per se. It was just a lot of avoidance. And, you know, let's just keep this little buttoned up. You know what it is. Don't play stupid kind of a thing. And it's like, well, where do you think I'm going to get this knowledge? Even though realistically, I was just listening to like a lot of hip hop, R&B, <laughs> some of it's hellosexualized, you know, even classic rock um, from his own stash. So it was just one of those things where it was just assumed that I had the knowledge, but I don't know where he thought I was getting this knowledge from. Um, and on top of that, you know, as a kid, you're like peeking through your little fingers when you're watching rated R movies with your family. And they're like, look away. It's the nasty part. And like me being nosy and curious, I was never looking away. I was like kind of like peeking through my really small eyes that I was acting like I was closing. So I had an idea of what people were doing. And then, ah, awkward. But oddly enough, as I got older, you know, porn was a thing that for some reason in the suburbs, people just sat around and like, talked about and wanted you to watch as you came over. And that was kind of weird to get used to. So shame on the suburbs for that. Dudes be like, yeah, bro, just come over. We're just going to want some porn. Like if you put on some porn, like that's, I'm not trying to have popcorn moments with your little, why are your hands so sick? Yeah. So it's just one of those things. It's like, you know, culture It's just weird. So yeah, that's kind of how I had to learn and then had to make, to make do per se uh, with just not being weird and figuring things out aside from like the seventh grade health class. Um, but yeah. And then high school. Dipstick, I am screaming. That's what happens. I'm screaming. Uh. <laughs> hey, not have kids yet that I know about. So till this day, dipstick worked, I guess. Um, Thanks, Joe. Shout out. <laughs> where Pops. did I learn? Uh, similar to Tara, it was like middle school sex ed. Like my parents absolutely did not talk about it because to them it, does, it didn't. 
exist for me. Like they just nope. They they think if they didn't talk about it, it just wasn't happening, and it wasn't. I mean, for a while, but like, uh, yeah, the majority of what I learned came from school, and I went to K through eight Catholic school, and let me tell you, kids in Catholic school can be yeah, some <laughs> like real curious. They're the worst. Freaky motherfuckers. Like, <laughs> I, I'm serious. Like, just because it wasn't getting talked about at home does not mean that it didn't get talked about in the schoolyard. And when we had our sex ed classes, I mean, there was like an anonymous uh, jar where we could, you know, write out a question. Mm. And um, the questions that would come out of that jar, <laughs> it just, uh, oh, man. Um seriously it was like opening pandora's box because it wouldn't even be like general questions it would be like <laughs> Can you say? mechanics questions so yeah i mean um yeah so that's that's yeah. what we learned or that's where i learned and uh i'll also just say that um you know it's it's interesting that families, I mean, from what I'm hearing, kind of left a lot of the, the brunt of the education to to the schools. But I also know that schools up to a certain point really just pitched the whole like um, abstinence thing, you know, um, and I guess I got lucky in sex ed because yeah. I think, OK, I think the teacher was like kind of on the down low. So they, okay. <laughs> I don't know, which isn't a bad thing, but I actually think that it served us better that they seem to be more open to answering our questions. And, um, <laughs> surprisingly in a K through eight Catholic school, I feel like I got a pretty good foundation just because we had a teacher Hilarious. that was willing to chat. <laughs> okay. Can I just say, I love that you hit the whole Catholic, like secretive pervy little kids thing because <laughs> personally uh, in in like middle school yeah middle school I have uh, I had a friend have a friend let's just say their name rhymes with Lester who thought at th that point in time they were going to be a doctor so their family wanted to do the best for them to educate them early so that they're ready for getting interested in anatomy biology whatever it takes to become a doctor what that meant was that they bought this child of theirs a book and it showed about the human body, ears, uh, you know, feet, muscles, skeletal system, all, you know, a nervous system, all that kind of stuff. Part of the book, though, oddly enough, talked about sexual reproduction. And what did this person do but brought the book to our sixth grade class and very hilariously showed down here in the center of the page uh, <laughs> basically what an erection looks like? Who? This, you know what their name rhymes with. <laughs> so anyway... <laughs> <laughs> we were all just like, ah, <laughs> because it was like a cartoon pictured image of like a bunch of veins that are inside of the piece and like what happens when the blood flows and all these kinds of things, uh, which was literally the only way I think a lot of people, including myself, learned about what the body parts professional names were and how and why that body part did that. In fact, because up until then, I was completely clueless. I didn't know why things happened in my body, how they were happening. In fact, uh, Speaking of Catholic school weirdness, I remember in the fifth grade, in fact, we uh, 
all the majority of the boys in the fifth grade class got in trouble because someone decided to look up the word condom. And we all thought that that was hilarious when we found out what the definition, the actual Webster dictionary, dictionary definition of condom meant. And then we all got in trouble because, you know, that's bad. Contraception is bad. Wag your finger and, and don't talk about sex until all of a sudden we want you to have kids. Why aren't you having kids? Ah. Okay, this is kind of a side note, but Tara, do you remember that time where we were walking at work and we passed the high school nearby? Oh my God. I totally forgot about that until now. What, what happened? What is this story? Oh my God. Uh, we were just know. getting some steps in like at lunch and there's a high school nearby, like our office where we used to work. And <laughs> these high school kids drew... <laughs> a dick on the <laughs> like large, larger than life like huge drawing <laughs> and we awkwardly walked by as a teacher was just like telling them <laughs> off and he had these group of guilty looking boys <laughs> who were just oh god it was oh, awkward man. all right real quick real quick one other side note so another good homie of mine um i'm not gonna say his name but he has uh, two initials as his nickname. Uh, we were hanging out in front of <laughs> my friend's house, and I had a, a can of spray paint in my car because I used to do some, you know, slight vandalism back in the day. Nothing crazy, but it was just kind of silly. Uh, anywho, my buddy decides to take the spray paint can and do exactly that. But stupidly, he did it right on the sidewalk in front of my other friend's house. So when that person's death came home, they were like, yo... Why is this here? <laughs> Who did this? But here's the funnier part. My friend, when he did that, sprayed our other friend's name next to it and no. pointed an arrow at it, which is hilarious because then the person that lived there couldn't deny that they didn't know who did it because the dad's like, isn't that your other friend's name that I've heard you be hanging around with before? It was, it was kind of a, a circumstance for a little bit, but funny now. Not funny then. Oh man! No, it was hilarious then, wow. actually. But but still, That's boys will good. be stupid, <laughs> to say the least. Pretty good. Um, yeah, I think they drew it in chalk, if I recall correctly. Yeah, <laughs> chalk's great. way smarter. It's very great. But um, anyway, like interesting segue. But just to kind of bring it back, I mean, it just is pretty apparent that there wasn't a whole lot of education being done at the home. We really learned about it amongst friends, which is really dangerous or at school in the hope that we'd have a good instructor that actually like taught us something. Um, it, you know, I, I think that there still was some education lacking even in the classroom when it came to certain things like contraception. Mm -hmm. um, well, first of all, let me just say that for me, the best method of contraception was being an eldest child and having to take care of my siblings. Like there is nothing I wanted more than to prevent, <laughs> to prevent something accidental at all costs. Um, Thanks, Jasmine and Isaac. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> Look what you've done. <laughs> uh, did that kind of ring true for you too, Tara? Yeah, I think not so much the sibling aspect, but being in an airplane with, you know, seated next to a crying baby, that's good enough oh. for me. Highly effective. Highly recommend while also not <laughs> recommending for various reasons. But... It works. <laughs> it really does. 
baby better have a mask on. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Doing all Triple that mouth mask. <laughs> In all oh, senses. Um, yeah, like luckily i think we all you know we had it in us just this natural fear of conceiving that like you know that, that acted as a method of contraception but generally i just think that there was kind of a lack of knowledge around it beyond just like the banana <laughs> you know what i mean you know what i mean i don't think i ever put a banana or i mean i don't think i ever put a condom on a banana it was the teacher Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, this, yeah, <laughs> this yeah. isn't class. Like <laughs> that was pretty much the only demonstration we got. And maybe just like the name of the other contraceptive types. <laughs> right. But one thing, um, sorry, go ahead, Tara. I was just going to add like the whole condom banana situation reminds me so much of mean girls, right? Like their health teacher <laughs> does the demonstration for them and <laughs> What does he say? It's like, don't have sex. You'll have children. I just remember that it ends with like, you'll die. And I was like, that's effective. <laughs> you will get, yeah, that's you will get pregnant and die. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. How effective. Shout out to one of the best movies ever made. <laughs> Shout out. That was a great movie. I, I think it's odd that our parents, I mean, I guess my parents in general, but probably all of our parents trusted the public school system or even the Catholic oh, school system, private, private school, school systems system. to even teach yeah. that. It's like, do they, did they even do their homework on who the teacher was for the health course? My parents didn't. They were just like, go to school, be good, get good grades. It's like, just because I get an A in health doesn't mean I learned all the right things per se. Like, What's funny, though, yeah. is that like in, I think, some Catholic schools, like I had some friends. I went to a Catholic school as well, and I had some friends who went to another one, and they also had sex ed around the same time. And I think they had nuns teaching them sex ed, which is just really funny. <laughs> That's great. Hey, you don't know about that nun's past life. Okay. Doesn't, just because she's a nun doesn't mean she didn't get none. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh God. No, I'm pretty sure that that's not. Saints what and sinners, about. baby. You ever seen The Sound of Music? Look, <laughs> the hills might be alive. Okay, you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. Uh, man. But something that I I just find interesting about this topic is that. Even, you know, when we learned about this in middle school, high school, uh, a lot of the onus was kind of on women to make sure that there was a method of contraception being used. I mean, I know that they demonstrated the whole condom on a banana thing, but, um, you know, beyond that, I think that the methods were really just talked about with regards to options available to women and that's probably because most of the options are only available to women um you know i i know that like vasectomies okay they're reversible aren't they gave i'll let you take <laughs> they this are but first and foremost I, I do need to say the whole kind of banana thing is weird and a real misconception because not every guy's dick is the size of a banana depending upon the banana you get so odd anywho when it comes to vasectomies overall, they are definitely reversible. Costlier to get it reversed from some of the slight research I've done. Um, but I know some cats that have actually gotten it uh, within my own age group and peer group. And I definitely take my hat off. I'm taking my hat off right now as we speak literally to them for that. Um, because realistically, there, there's a lot of like taboo or I should, say, uh, should just say, pardon me, stigma around a vasectomy in general. Like I, I checked out this article by the New York Times. It came out like a couple years ago, like 2019. Um, and 
it was entitled, Why Don't More American Men Get Vasectomies? And the whole idea around it was kind of interesting because, oddly enough, not surprisingly enough, though, majority of vasectomies in America happened during March Madness. <laughs> and doctors' schedules are packed, baby. Let me tell you. These guys just want to sit down, according to the article, with their bag of peas and keep cool where they're bagging peas. So uh, it's interesting that, you know, men, when they do book it, still keep like a, yeah, honey, I got to keep busy and do something with my time. And they, they do it in that way if they're going to do it. But it's odd because it only apparently happens in like the north central region of the U.S. as well as the west region of the U.S. So I don't know what's happening in the northeast, swinging down to the Florida area and around to the central United States uh, in the south. But People aren't really going for it. In fact, there was a quote from some dude, Mr. Lopez, this guy, Mr. Uh, Lopez. Who, <laughs> who had very strong beliefs around why he would not get a vasectomy. It said, uh, for Mr. Lopez, the ability to rear, is, uh, to rear children is tied to his beliefs about masculinity. Not surprised. Um, a man is many things, he said. Strong, brave, check this out, a good dancer, <laughs> But also, he's supposed to be able to have kids if that's what he wants. Okay. Centering himself, man. If that's what he, if, if that's what Mr. Lopez wants, that's what Mr. Lopez gets. Kids. <laughs> Either way, uh, it says, then there are the practical considerations. He added, uh, looking ahead 20 years, will he and his wife still be married? Will she even be alive? Like, yo, dude, what are you trying to do? Like, you trying to bop her off? Like, she's just not going to be around? You got, you got some plans I don't know about, Mr. Lopez? Like, what's happening here? Um, and this dude was even quoted to say, maybe I meet a younger woman or something like that. And she wants to have kids. First of all, does a young woman even want you, Mr. Lopez? You already got kids. Second of all, you're older, crustier. Come on now. But then he says, and then I can't give that to her. So... Clearly, Mr. Lopez is thinking about the ladies, clearly, because when he wants to have kids, that's when it'll happen. But, you know, a lot of folks, uh, you know, I think need to realize costs around this type of uh, surgery. From what the article was showing, you know, it said without insurance, the price is usually about a rack, which is $1,000 for common speak, uh, which is still kind of high, but not as high as I thought it would be to be, you know, snipping a dude up like that. I thought it'd be much more. Um, but either way, you know, vasectomies are reversal, reversible. Excuse me. Uh, however, they aren't covered by insurances uh, to get the procedure reversed. And you know, the procedure is actually kind of cumbersome and expensive, as mentioned. So, in complete contrast for the for the women out there, the Affordable Care Act, thankfully, uh, has required insurance companies to cover. It says 18 types of contraception used by women, uh, and that would even include sterilization surgery. And no co-payment is required. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Very, very interesting. And how convenient. And how convenient, too. Um. Yeah, I would also just like to highlight, again, for anyone listening, that vasectomies are reversible. Let's say it all together, because there's so much confusion about it. Vasectomies are, are reversible. reversible. But it's also, I think, interesting to note that because a lot of the um, birth control that women have to resort to create a lot of effects, like long-term effects that often aren't reversible, right? So a lot of women go through mm. serious hormonal issues, um, PCOS. Sometimes with birth control, you know, people are on it so that they 
can deal with acne and not have kids at a certain time period. But then later they decide that they do want to have children and they just can't. So there are a lot of issues that I think people and, you know, even just health organizations are still learning about, like long-term issues that are connected with that. So it's still relatively uncharted land, which just adds to this whole question of, you know, should men be looking into some form of birth control instead of just women? I love that you mentioned that because in that same article, and I'll post, uh, I can have us post the link to it in the show notes later, but basically uh, a lady did have that same kind of thought. She was, she was like, you know, I wish I wouldn't have done all the steps that I took just to not have kids when, you know, it ended up being a painful recovery from what I was dealing with, all these kinds of things when I know it could have been so much more easier for my partner. Um, so yeah, hit it right in the head. Yeah. I mean, tubal ligation or like getting your tubes tied. Exactly. I mean, it's no joke. Like it's no joke. It's, it's a procedure that requires general anesthesia. Whereas a vasectomy is like nowhere near the process <laughs> that it is. Um, and again, for other people in the back, it is reversible, but, um, you know, I just, I think it's, interesting that again the onus is being put on women yet it is such a it's very taxing on a woman's body um aside you know that's aside from the fact that childbirth generally is taxing on a woman's body and is very traumatic physically um but uh it's it's an interesting segue to kind of current times where uh you know we're (laughs) We're mid-April right now as we're recording, and in the news is the vaccinations for COVID, and Johnson & Johnson is a vaccine that has been put on pause because of the potential for blood clots, particularly in women. And um, I will say that the the susceptibility to blood clots is – is very low. I mean, statistically, it is very low that that will happen relative to the amount of people who have been vaccinated. I think as of right now, millions of people have been vaccinated with Johnson and Johnson. Like six million, roughly? Uh, in the millions, um, but only six um, or seven people have experienced some sort of adverse side effects when it comes to blood clots. But, but when it comes to like birth control and the pill, the likelihood of a woman getting blood clots is extremely high relative to the vaccine. Um, yet we're putting a vaccine on pause because of, of how it's affected some folks. And, um, you know, contraception for women really hasn't been modernized in the last 60 years. So it's just very interesting that, you know, it's something that is depending on who you are, arguably unsafe to have certain methods of contraception, but also there's really been a lack of innovation, um, on that front. And I'll be honest, like I have an IUD because I just felt like it was the strongest method for myself. Um, and even that was not a walk in the park to get, I'm really afraid of how it's going to be when I remove it and um, probably get another one put in. It was like a month of agony, (laughs) but um, worth it for me and my, you know, and and my situation, Um, which kind of segues to the next, I guess, uh, point of conversation that a lot of societal milestones have changed for people. I mean, it used to be 
what like the first comes love then comes then marriage, comes marriage. Jo- you know that shit um then comes all the responsibility of pregnancy and health on women and, and then comes the baby carriage and then comes everybody getting to <laughs> uh dote over your child from the cheap seats and then send you home with <laughs> jk just kidding but um you know all this to say yeah i think a lot of values have changed so um i it used to be that you know you you date you get married you buy a house then you pop out a kid and you know at least in my personal situation with Gabe we're married we have bought a house but we are like the thought of kids is so far from our mind so far I think we did things mind. pretty unorthodox though like we lived with each other before we got married and even that kind of lifted some eyebrows not all eyebrows but you know, some folks kind of like oh why are you doing that. Why don't you want your own place? It's like, well, right. You know, but it should be okay. I guess is, you know what I'm trying to say is there's this societal norm and there's this like societal milestone checklist and you know, people are looked at sideways if they don't really follow along with, with that trajectory. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, I think I'll add here, like, especially in regard to societal milestones changing, They've changed in many ways, right? Like marriage is one or a lot of people who are couples will be together for a long time without getting married just because they don't want to, which I think things are slowly changing. But something that I've seen a lot and heard, especially with like women and people who identify as women, is that if they don't want kids, you know, now maybe they're at a certain age and they're like mid to late 20s, early 30s, or if they just don't want children at all they're kind of looked at sideways, but also there's this like sometimes tacit, but oftentimes said, um, you know, idea of like, well, what's wrong with you? Like you're not nurturing, you're not, you know, like you have no maternal instinct, whatever. So they're looked at as bizarre for that. Um, which is, I think, you know, there's more to someone than them wanting to be a mom. Um, but yeah, I think society's changed in a lot of ways a lot of other ways too, right? Like working from home, for instance, with this pandemic. Um, you know, you're so right. And also, can I, can I just say kids are expensive AF? Like kids are very expensive. And I think that that's something that doesn't often get talked about when, um, you know, people are encouraging children. Like, you know, people are are really not, I think, sometimes looking at the big picture when it comes to finances. And, you know, you'll get the, you'll get the, you'll never be ready. You'll never be ready. Um, no one's ever ready. But I kind of want to just gently push back on that and say that there are situations where you can be, at least to the best of your ability. I don't think that there will ever be a time when, Somebody who doesn't have a kid will just know exactly what to do when they have a kid. It's a totally new frontier. No one will ever really truly know what it's like unless they have one. Um, but you can still you can still do what you can to be as prepared as you can. And again, True. Like, <laughs> finances really aren't discussed when it comes to that. And I wish it would be because um, it's not a walk in the park. And... Um, you know, childcare, childcare is hella expensive and it's not subsidized like by the government or, you know, or employers. 
No, my uh, my grandparents were my child care. After school, I'd go to my grandparents' house until my, my parents got home. Same. Or picked us up and took us home. Same. Were you the same, Tara? Did you have grand, grandparents who looked out for you? Oh, um, not so much because my grandparents lived in India, so we didn't really have family nearby who did. But, you know, in terms of having kids, I've noticed a lot of people who do, especially like in the Bay Area, they'll have family nearby, which is super convenient because childcare is mm-hmm. so expensive. So that's just really, really nice. Um, but yeah, that definitely seems common. Yeah, and, you know, I guess here we are, 2021. Um, A lot of people are working, like, until past the age of retirement. Like, I think nowadays you'd be lucky to have a grandma or grandpa who's retired or not working and willing to babysit. Um, Like, you know, just thinking about my situation with Gabe, I mean, like, his his parents, his dad, I think is semi-retired or at least works yeah. part-time, but he's in another area of the country. <laughs> <laughs> My parents are working. There's absolutely no way that there'd, you know, there'd be some form of like dedicated childcare. My mom is not going to be able to retire until she's 70. I think is her ideal moment. She's like, I can't, you know, she's, that's her milestone. She's like, when yeah. I turn 70, I'm going to retire. But she's a busy body, so she might even still start working somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's very hard even into retirement to have some form of an income, um, even at you know that age. So it's <laughs> Lord knows Social Security is not the healthiest, right? So, you know, it's just all things that don't really get talked about um, in the conversation of children. It's like, oh, all sunshine, daisies, roses. Yeah, let's just lob this one up and see what happens. <laughs> right. Oh, you'll never be ready. It's fine. You'll you'll manage. Like, no, nah, you just weren't ready. Shut up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't pass that trauma on to me, mm-hmm. that generational trauma. <laughs> right. So, you know, I, I just think that everybody values different things, um, whether it be valuing your career or whether it's valuing traveling without having, you know, um, children to worry about, Um maybe people just, yeah, there doesn't really have to be a reason behind it. People can either want them or not. And I think that that's kind of a, a, a choice that should be respected, um, for anybody. So, you know, I should asking about having kids be taboo. I think, yes, I think so too. Tara. Yeah, I agree for sure. Uh. I don't want it to be only because it's kind of a cool conversation to have when you're in the mix with people, but because of because of what I've seen and how things have played out, yeah, I'm definitely leaning on the side of we need to be a little bit more tactful with how it's brought up and, and things like that. Like if someone's just like, you know, we've been really trying and and they're showing that that conversation is open, Oof. all right, cool. You know, we might be able to roll with that. But trying. <laughs> yeah, we've been really banging, y'all. <laughs> just like, hey, hold up now. We are at brunch. I just barely got my eggs Benedict, mama. <laughs> I'm not trying to hear about your eggs and how he's Benedict. Anyway, uh. so, yeah, <laughs> let's just keep it at I don't need to know unless you want to bring it up. And then, you know, kind of give me a precursor, like, about to talk about some kids here in a second. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Just let you and finish your eggs first, I think. 
give you a fair warning. <laughs> like 10 minute notice. Something. At least let me finish my manmosa. Hey, yeah. Hey, Rose, you ready to have kids? As I sip my mimosa, please. <laughs> um, so uh, I hope that everybody enjoyed this conversation. And um, I encourage everybody to, you know, stick to what works best for their life. I think that people should utilize the multitude of resources available now to find out what their plan is with regards to children, having them, not having them, egg freezing, in vitro, whatever you need to do to make sure that there's some planning around this if that's what you so choose. And I think that it's a conversation that should just be normalized as far as just the reality of what it is to conceive. Um, so with that being said, I want to thank everyone for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. Follow Appreciate us. You. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Clubhouse. We're at Chai and Cafe. And, um, you know, we'll have some extended content for you. And, uh, again, we really just appreciate everyone listening. Catch y'all later. Thank you. Peace out, everybody.